stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Thanks for joining us here. I'm Sam Shane on Weekend Live on this Saturday. It is a 5.06. We are live here in the KFBK studio as we are every Saturday evening from 5 until 7 o'clock. We take a look back at the week's big stories. Uh, what's making news on this Saturday, and we take a look ahead at what we can expect. It's a very busy week in terms of news, and we're going to get to a lot of the big topics and cover them from an angle that you may not have heard on your local or network newscast to give you better perspective to go a little bit deeper into the issues that really do matter to all of us. Uh, We should note it's about 105 degrees right now. I mean, it is smoking hot out there. And there is a wildfire that is burning in Yolo County, about 350 acres burning near Cash Creek, not contained at this time. So if you see a plume of smoke there in the Yolo County region, that is what's burning, and we'll stay on top of that here at KFBK, of course, throughout the day. A lot of stuff to get through. The stack is thick from this week. Uh, Later on here in the next couple of hours, we're going to talk more about the U.S. Supreme Court ruling dealing a huge blow to public unions not only in California, but across America. Government unions cannot, any longer, governments cannot force public sector union members to pay dues into unions, and it has an enormous impact here in the power structure in Sacramento. More on that coming up. Also, Maxine Waters, not sure if you heard her over the past week, what she said when she grabbed a megaphone encouraging people to further harass members of the Trump administration, and then... Chuck Schumer and the other leaders of the Democratic Party had to scramble, and Schumer does the unusual thing of going to the Senate floor and denouncing the activity and why there is such uncertainty with how to handle this and how to handle Maxine Waters and others like her in the Democrat Party. So we'll talk more about that coming up, as well as other news that uh, made headlines on this week. We want to talk about what the big item was today. It took place in about six to 700 different uh, communities across America, including in Sacramento, several Sacramento streets filled with protesters today in downtown Sacramento. Part of what was called the Families Belong Together protest against the Trump administration's immigration policy. Now, the demonstrators in Sacramento, they blocked a number of roadways, I Street, in front of the Sacramento County Jail, and they displayed phrases like, abolish ICE. And we're going to talk more about that and other political leaders who are actually calling for the abolishment of ICE. And whether or not that is smart to do and how it could backfire. Uh, The marchers uh, were in several cities, places like uh, Boston, Detroit, Dallas. These were liberal activists. They were parents, first-time protesters in many cases, motivated by the accounts of children being separated from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. And they're calling on President Donald Trump to reunite these families quickly. So... Those are the headlines that you will see on your network newscast and your local newscast because actually I can tell you firsthand I'm watching local newscasts right now here in the studio and they were very quick to cover one side of this story. But they didn't cover the other side as far as I can see yet and I'm highly doubtful that we're going to see that from the traditional network newscast because the fact of the matter is is that President Trump has already signed an executive order to stop the separation of children from parents who are in the United States illegally. And that is more, by the way, than what President Obama ever did. President Obama never signed such an executive order. And believe it or not, there is more than adequate evidence to show that under President Obama's administration, thousands of children were separated from their parents 
who were in the United States illegally. And there are pictures that have surfaced, and you can go online and look them up right now. In 2014, there are pictures of kids separated from their parents in cages, some of them wrapped in foil. Where was the outrage then? Where was the outcry then? Where were the protests then? So now we're having more Democrats coming to the surface who are running for office, and they're running further and further to the left, and they're using this issue, ICE, as one of their prominent issues. There's a 28-year-old socialist, and this week she beat incumbent Democrat Joe Crowley in New York. Crowley was a big-time player in the Democratic Party, thought to be the heir apparent for Nancy Pelosi's job. It was a shocking congressional race in New York, and this 28-year-old socialist says she wants to abolish, just get rid of ICE. That's, of course, immigration enforcement. And today, there are reports about how Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York this week joined a list of prominent Democrats who also said we should just get rid of ICE. Even California Senator Kamala Harris said this week that maybe or even probably, those are her words, we should start from scratch when she was asked about ICE, the Immigration Enforcement Agency. Is that really a wise path to go, to go that far left? I mean, that's even further left than, believe it or not, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders says he's not sure that's the right thing to do, to get rid of ICE. And here we have a growing list of Democrats who are calling for ICE to go away. So, here's what President Trump said in an interview today with Fox about that strategy. Well, I hope they keep thinking about it because they're going to get beaten so badly. You know, ICE, these are the guys that go in and take MS-13 and they take them out because they're much tougher than MS-13, like by a factor of 10. And these are the ones, you get rid of ICE, you're going to have a country that you're going to be afraid to walk out of your house. Mm. I love that issue if they're going to actually do that. Oh, you bet he does. He loves this. He's probably secretly encouraging to do it. He knows where the American people stand. There was a poll this past week from CBS News. Hardly the bastion of conservative thought in America. CBS News. 51% of the people they polled support building a wall. He has an idea of where America stands on this issue. He understands where the heartland of America is on this issue. Not the fringe groups and not the left. And he wants the left to run even further left. He's great with that. The question is, is it going to work for these Democrats or not? Then there's the story that we're going to get into here on the other side of the break. And this is the story of Courtney Hacking. She's from Nevada. And she took a look at these protests that took place today in support of undocumented immigrants, and she says that she sees a nation that's becoming indifferent to her suffering. What's her story? Here's how she's been suffering. Hacking is a Nevada resident. She lost her husband, her four-year-old daughter, and her 22-month-old son in April of 2016 when an undocumented immigrant crashed head-on into her family's car. She will not be reunited with her family. Ever. 
Her story you probably didn't hear in today's coverage. You will hear it here on the other side of the break. The phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Both sides of this story when we come back. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. Well, it is kind of burning out there, right? 105 degrees right now in most of Northern California. Uh, this heat wave, by the way, has been hitting a lot of cities, uh, major cities, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia. They're hitting about 100 degrees or more um, all across America. We're seeing this heat wave. We're getting word, too, of a, a wildfire burning in Yolo County, uh, burning near Cash Creek Casino in that neighborhood. So far, 0% containment. If you're seeing some smoke out in that area near the coastals, you'll understand why. Uh, let's see. I want to get to San Francisco is going to be the first U.S. major city with a $15 minimum wage. It's going to become the first major U.S. city to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour on Sunday. It happens there. California lawmakers, by the way, approved a plan two years ago that will increase the state's minimum wage from $10 to $15 by 2022. So the rest of the folks outside of the San Francisco area will have to wait. Emeryville, by the way, also will increase their minimum wage to $15 on Sunday as well. What does that do to small business in California? What will be the implications of that? Because, believe it or not, somebody's going to pay the price. If the free market doesn't determine wages, somebody pays the price. Everything is passed down. That's how economics works. Okay, let's pick up uh, where we left off with the story of Courtney hacking, which is really remarkable. The phone number here, by the way, is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. You may want to hear what she has to say and give us a call and just give us your impressions of what she is saying about the protests that we have seen in America. She is the mother of two young children, a four-year-old and a 22-month-old. And those two children and her husband died when their car was hit head-on while traveling on an interstate in Nevada. Margarito Quintero was the driver, an illegal immigrant, pleaded guilty to three counts of criminally negligent homicide, got two years sentence, according to the Dallas News. Courtney Hacking, first of all, had this to say about the protests that we are seeing separating children from family members and her overall thoughts about what's taking place in America today. I I don't believe any child should be separated from their parent, but at the same time, I'm I'm permanently separated from from my children and, and I don't have the chance to be able to see them again. So it's... It's kind of a, it's a sticky situation when, when you want a child to be with their parent, but at the same time, because of a lot of that, I do not get to see my children ever. She said at another point during the interview that, you know, in America today, separating children from parents and family members happens more often than you might think with people who actually live here legally, who maybe break the law or are accused of breaking the law and putting their kids in harm's way within their own homes. And at that point, social workers move in and they separate the children from the parents because they believe that the kids 
could be hurt even further by living with people who break the law, obviously. Hacking says that the coverage of this story by the media in America today is biased and one-sided. We see one side of the story, but we don't see the other. And I, I, I have personally received multiple emails and messages from families who have gone through the same thing, and I, I didn't know any of them. And it, it saddens me that their stories aren't getting, aren't getting told when we hear about all of the other ones being told, and, and it's all about illegal immigration. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. When you see these stories on TV, like you will tonight if you tune into your local or network newscasts, are you seeing both sides of the story? When you pick up a newspaper and you read about it, are you seeing both sides of the story? Or do you perceive it like this angel mom perceives it? That we're, we're getting one side of the story. We are not hearing about the victim's who have been hurt by a policy which has allowed people to pour in over our borders. And in the instances of those who are here illegally and are breaking our laws, are causing a great deal of harm to Americans, or at least threatening our safety and security. And she wants that side of the story at least told. Furthermore, she supports building a wall, Hacking says, but she says she also thinks that we need to do a lot better job of enforcing these laws that are already on the books. I also agree with the, the fact that our the laws that we have in place need to be more strictly enforced and expanded upon. Um, I mean, there are certainly other things like the wall that would be a great benefit, but we need to focus on our on our laws that we have now and enforcing those laws um, and following up on them, most importantly, to, to make sure that we don't have the problem of even needing a wall in the future. Is the wall the answer? I mean, maybe not. Hacking will say, okay, I support the wall, but you know what? We have a lot of laws that are on the books that have been essentially let go, possibly by the direction of our political leadership. They don't want to enforce the laws, so they become lax with them. And then a new president comes into office, and he says, you know what, we're going to enforce the laws that are on the books, and if you don't like the laws, then change the laws. But we have laws on the books. And my job as the lead man in the executive branch is to enforce the laws that are passed by Congress and signed by the president. That's what I do constitutionally, and that's what I'm doing right now. But in a lot of cases, a lot of these laws were not enforced. They were just let go. We turned a blind eye to it. And then a guy named Donald Trump decides he's going to run for president and makes it not just an issue, but one of his top issues. And guess what? He gets traction. Because he understood that somewhere out there in America, there were a whole heck of a lot of people that saw this happening and weren't too pleased about it. Whether or not that's popular with you, he identified that reality out there in middle America. Finally, Courtney Hacking, this is her final bite, says that she wants to see, and this, this really addresses a much broader issue, but she would like to see America's priorities change. I want to see our country be our country, and I want to see our citizens being 
treated because at the moment I'm seeing our citizens being treated with less respect and common courtesy than illegal immigrants. We have people fighting and protesting for you know immigration policies and allowing them to stay but nobody fights for us anymore. Courtney Hacking will never see her four-year-old or her 22-month-old or her husband again. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. If you'd like to call in and join in on the discussion and weigh in on what she said and if that makes any sense to you and if we are headed in the right direction here. 700-some cities saw protests today and in many cases calling for the end of ICE as a number of leading political figures in the Democrat Party, including a socialist from New York who just won a surprising victory in a congressional primary, a senator from New York, Senator Kamala Harris from California, all of them saying either abolish ICE or let's take a look at it, just get rid of it. Just open up the borders and get rid of ICE. Astonishing turn of events. It really is. Over the course of the last three weeks, there's been a paradigm shift in the Democratic Party. You are seeing what used to be the fringe, the left fringe, now almost becoming mainstream with policies that are even left of Bernie Sanders. I mean, I don't think I would have ever thought the day where we would see leading candidates who are running to win office in 2018 and possibly even for president in 2020, Kamala Harris. I mean, the smart money is betting on that she'll go and she's going to run. But take a guess how that would play in middle America. You run on a platform of abolishing ICE or reforming ICE and giving it less teeth. How is that going to play in America? So we're going to talk about that uh, further on the other side of the break. Also, we're going to get to this U.S. Supreme Court ruling, a huge ruling that took place this week, and it was a devastating blow to public unions. And how much money can union people or people who were in the unions, state workers, actually save by not giving to the unions? On the other side of the break, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. My name's Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. It's 534 on a Saturday evening. Thanks for joining us. Sam Shane here at Weekend Live. We're here every Saturday evening from 5 o'clock until 7. We are live here at the KFBK studio. The phone number here is 916 921-1530, 921-1530, We'd love for you to join us. We take a look at the big news of the week prior. Take a look at some segments and some issues and angles that you likely did not hear or see on your local newscast or ne- network newscast, maybe didn't even read in the newspaper, and dive into some issues which affect all of us in a deeper, we believe, a more informative manner. President Trump has told reporters aboard Air Force One he will announce his choice to succeed retiring Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy on July 9th. That's a Monday. He's considering two women among the group of at least five potential candidates for the nation's high court. Trump says he 
may interview as many as seven candidates with regards to their views on abortion rights. In Roe v. Wade, he said, that's not a question I'll be asking. Roe v. Wade will not be an issue when he nominates a replacement for Anthony Kennedy on the Supreme Court. Let's go to Travell. He's from Sacramento, and he joins us on a hot Saturday evening. Hi, Travell. How are you? Yeah, hello, Sam. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. What's on your mind this evening? Oh, I'm telling you, you guys got me going here because this immigration stuff has been going on for a long time now. And it's gotten to the point now where they're take these jobs take away from American citizens or, you know, immigration does. Well, now that's it. OK, Travel, we need to make a distinction here between immigration and illegal immigration. Those are two very different topics. Very good. Very good. I totally understand where you're coming from. But illegal immigration, I don't think that people should be stomping so hard for illegal immigrants, uh, to, especially with the way things are now. The country is already run pretty tight as it is as far as economics and things like that. So we're having a tough time in economic times. And for us to keep on fighting or different people to keep fighting for illegal immigrants, it's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming our system, as well as each state is being, you know, uh, is being uh, word for it. But each state that is having to deal with this on its own level. Yes, they are. In California. It, it, right. California. And, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say it's not as bad in Kansas as it is in California. But the fact of the matter is, is that it had got it has gotten so out of control and out of hand that it's not just an issue for Arizona and Texas and California and border states anymore. It's be, there. The implications have now been broadened all across the United States of America, and it is why it has become such a visceral uh, issue in this country. And it's why, quite frankly, Donald Trump as the candidate was willing to bring it up because he knew even in the heartland that there were strong feelings about this and that people were worried about porous borders. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And again, like I said, here in California, uh, our governor or the mayor here in Sacramento wants to make Sacramento a... Uh, a sanctuary city. A sanctuary city. And it is. I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm against that. I'm in absolute well, agreement. And, and here's the thing, Tra- Travell, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you. You're not alone. In fact, the polling in California is clear. A majority of Californians are opposed to sanctuary cities. So you're not alone in that regard. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing policies that are being implemented by political leaders that do not reflect the electorate. No matter how big these protests appear to be on local TV news, the fact of the matter is is that what really is going on out there is much different than what some of these pictures will show. And I would argue that a lot of the polling heading into the, 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 the last presidential election did not reflect what was really going on in this country, and it's why so many people were surprised by the result. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the one thing I want to say before I get off the line is that, you know, as far as illegal immigration goes, it's going to turn the tide at some point and it's going to turn the voters in one way or another. And I'm telling you, I'm on the fence. Okay, Travell, I appreciate that. And historians will tell you who have looked back through history, if you do not have a secure border, if you do not have a sovereign state, no matter if it's the United States of America or it's Bulgaria or it's you name the country in this world. If you do not have 
security your borders, and a sovereign state, at some point in time, you are likely to implode. It will be the failure of your country. You must be able to provide security for your people. It's a very basic tenet. It's a very basic idea. I totally agree. All right, Travel, thanks so much. I appreciate the call. It was great to hear from you. Um, we're going to move on right now and talk a little bit about this uh, U.S. Supreme Court ruling. On <laughs> This was really amazing, and it came down on Wednesday. Supreme Court ruled the government cannot force government workers to contribute to labor unions that represent them in collective bargaining. And it was clearly a severe financial blow to organized labor. There are some pretty interesting statistics that will show you how much this will be impacting public unions, not only in Sacramento, but in capital cities and in virtually every state of this country. California's politically powerful public sector unions estimated 1.4 million members. Those unions have long represented a motherload of political contributions for Democratic candidates in the state. California unions, like the powerhouse union, now you've heard of this one, the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, their local 1,000, which is based in Sacramento alone, has 10 thousand people they represent. That's just one local for SEIU. Okay. What are the implications? How about this? The state controller came out this week and he said after this ruling, we will stop collecting what are known as fair share payments from state workers into these unions beginning July this month. Do you know what that adds up to at the end of the year? The average is $1,000 a year for a state worker. Now think about this for one second. You're a state worker, and you're working every day, and you're trying to make ends meet and pay the bills and buy the groceries and maybe get the kid through college, pay the mortgage or the rent and the car payment and all of that. And now you're looking at another 1000 bucks a year? Are you inclined now to maybe kick that money right back to the union, or do you want to just hang on to it? Now think about the implications for the unions that have given enormous sums of money to Democrats throughout the years. The power structure in Sacramento this past week officially changed big time. Cannot be understated, overstated. So we're going to get to some of the reaction on all that, including uh, what Mayor Daryl Steinberg from Sacramento had to say about that, and then on the opposing side, why this is such a wake-up call and why it is so devastating for Democrats and public sector unions. But before we do that, let's get to Ann in Sacramento, who's calling in on a hot Saturday evening. You staying cool, Ann? I'm staying cool. <laughs> I... Uh, I was calling about Kamala Harris and how she's going to expose herself in the next few months on all issues, including this immigration issue, and that's because she's on the Judiciary Committee. And, and why do you think she'll expose herself? In what way? Well, because if you've heard her, t well, first of all, on the ICE issue, but also the abortion issue, and if you saw her uh, when she, uh, I don't remember what uh, 
the attorney general was being interviewed on, but she was very shrill with him. She can be very shrill and abrasive. Right. And for a lot of people, that's a turnoff. No, I saw that questioning, and I agree. And I, and frankly, I and when that happened, we played some of those sound bites in here on our show on Weekend Live. And I said at the time, her questioning made very little sense to me because the questions were all based on emotion and not fact. There, uh, was, there was no logic. That that is how she comes across, right? So I, no, that, I agree. And 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 look, if she's gonna, if she thinks that she's gonna be a serious contender in the presidential race. She'll have she, to clean up her act. Well, and not just clean up her act. She's going to have to get logical, and she's going to have to sound like a grown-up in the room and stop stop with these series of questions that are based purely on emotion about, do you think it's okay that we separate children from, from a parent? I mean, that, what, there's no fact in that. That's a, complete, a completely emotionally driven, rhetorical question that has no basis. Well, it probably appeals to some people, but it's a turnoff, I think, generally speaking. I agree. Can I make a suggestion? Uh, the on the immigration issue people get very dis- defensive and confused on immigration so i'd like to suggest different terminology okay what's your suggestion um immigration migration and invasion and we're being invaded well we might be i mean when you look at like ms13 certainly president trump is making that argument that it, that we have an invasion right now of criminals who are here to do very very bad things to our people well yeah but people just don't have the right to come across come into the country of without not. the papers of course that's not that's the point i mean but uh, and here's the deal you're making a logical argument and <laughs> and and so many of the protests that we saw today are based on emotion Oh, absolutely. No, no, nobody, look, nobody wants children to be separated from parents. Nobody. And, and most of them were separated from their parents before they got here. And this has been going on for a long, long time. And where were the protests? Many, many, many years ago. I see this as an anti-Trump protest. Of course it is. Since so many of them are women that are coming out. Of this course is, it is. It's is so, just... no, it's so completely transparent. Of course this is anti-Trump. This, this was taking place when President Barack Obama was in office. There were no protests. Now you do the math. Well... <laughs> I think we're not getting the math on this. I heard one newscast earlier today saying that there were 200,000 children in detention. So oh. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. At any rate, that's my suggestion. Watch, <laughs> okay. uh, watch Kamala. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ann. Appreciate the call. 546 at the time. 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. We pick up this discussion and talk more about how California public unions took a huge hit this past week and what it means for power and money in Sacramento. We're back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio KFBK. I want to thank Joanne for calling in. She says she's at work and they listen to us every weekend. How cool is that? Joanne, you and your coworkers are awesome. Time now is uh, 5.51. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK. This show is called Weekend Live. We're here every Saturday evening, 5 to 7 p.m. We're live, taking a look back at some of the big news of the week and uh, what takes place on any given Saturday, and we look ahead of what we expect to happen in the week ahead. And we try to dive into some issues on a little bit deeper level and give you maybe a little bit different perspective that you're not hearing, seeing, or reading in some of the traditional news outlets to try to round it out and make sense of it all rather than getting one side. Renting used gym clothing is a thing now. I'm not joking. (laughs) 
My producer Luis just tipped over. New Yorkers are willing to fork out 10 bucks to rent gym clothes. There's a company there, and they launched a service for travelers to the Big Apple, to hotels there, and they then expanded it Wednesday to Manhattan office buildings and apartments. And here's how it works. Customers request a gym pack with sneakers, a shirt, socks, shorts, or leggings. It's delivered within a couple of hours. Women will get a tank top, a sports bra, and a new hair tie. Everyone gets to keep the socks. Love that call. Brilliant move. <laughs> and if you're squeamish about putting your feet into sweat-soaked shoes, they have what they call Stara Shoe UV technology for each use, and they replace the insoles. There you have it. You can rent gym clothes in the Big Apple. Why wouldn't you? Okay, let's get back to this very significant Supreme Court ruling which took place Wednesday. Are you a state worker? Have you been paying in? Are you a government worker at any level and been paying into a union and you're not that crazy about it? You're not sure you're getting what you're paying for. You're not sure that you really like how they donate your money politically. Maybe you would like to have gotten out but couldn't because the law forced you to, it forced you to pay. Not anymore. That all changed. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530, thanks to the United States Supreme Court. And no one was more disappointed by all of this than Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg. A Democrat, of course, he has received a significant amount of campaign money from unions. He called it a terrible decision. And this week called on union members to vote for Democrats in the upcoming elections. That the decisions of the past several days from the United States Supreme Court, including this terrible Janus decision, remind us that we now have to take our sorrow and our pain and translate it into pure positive political action to take back the House, to take back the Senate, and to dump Trump in 2020. Dump Trump turned it into politics. Didn't take him long. Anybody surprised by that? I'll tell you what. I mean, they they will take anything right now. It doesn't matter what. The United States Supreme Court made a decision based on the law as they saw it. Nothing to do with Trump. It was somebody else who brought, I think it was somebody, I think it was a, a state worker in Illinois who brought this case. Long before Donald Trump was president of the United States, by the way. These things take a lot of time. But it all of a sudden became a dump Trump issue. 916-921-1530, Here's what one legal expert said about the U.S. Supreme Court ruling, and this boils it down, ladies and gentlemen, to what the whole game is about. This is Jessica Levinson, president of the L.A. Ethics Commission, also a professor of law at Loyola University in Los Angeles. Quote, going forward... They're going to raise less and have less in California. She's talking about the unions. Goes on to say, this is a quote, politics is money and money is power and unions are going to have a lot less power. Folks, it's changing. And if you're a member of a union, first of all, you're not being forced to pay in anymore. Second of all, the unions are going to have to work a heck of a lot harder for your money and your representation. And thirdly, the political domination of unions in California 
starting this past week, history will show, is now on the downside. They're slipping. The power is evaporating because of the United States Supreme Court ruling that says states cannot force state workers to pay into a union. They have a constitutional right to keep their money or invest their money as they see fit. That is not the government's decision. The government has no business telling you as a state worker or a government worker that you are obligated to invest in a union. Here's the other side of what we heard from Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg. This is Judge Andrew Napolitano. Very smart guy. Fox News senior judicial analyst on what this ruling means. With a more sensitive view of the First Amendment and with a track record of, la- of uh, labor management issues that have not, has not always gone well for either side, the court has said enough is enough. You have the right to join the union and you have the right not to join and the government is not going to push you in one direction or the other. They're not going to push you in one direction or the other. That's not the government's job, it's not their position, and it's not their right. It's your right to decide which way you want to go as an individual. Do you want to pay a fair share or not? Is the union doing a good job representing you? And if not, why do you have to buy into it? If you like one airline over another because they do a better job and offer you a better service and treat you better, which one are you going to go with? That's your right. That's how the private sector works. And for years and years and years, people were told, ordered by their government, that they had to give their money to a union. A union which turned around and gave their money to certain political figures. More on this topic and much more coming up straight ahead. 916-921-1530. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. They just can't believe what happened. They still can't believe it. Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez introduced former President Barack Obama as America's, quote, real president at a DNC fundraiser on Thursday night. Can't let it go. Let's give it up for the real president of the United States, Perez said at the fundraiser. Then Obama reportedly told the crowd of Democratic donors that they are right to be concerned about Trump's presidency. Obama has sharply broken with precedent. He's repeatedly attacked Trump. That, of course, has been an existing standard for presidents to refrain from publicly criticizing their successor. Not for Obama, not for his wife. They've slammed Trump more than a dozen times since they've left the White House. Time now is 6.07. My name is Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. Thanks for joining us here. The phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. A lot to get to here in the next hour. And uh, before we talk more about a grilling on Capitol Hill from Trey Gowdy uh, with the uh, leaders of both the Department of Justice and FBI sitting in front of him, he let them have it. We'll have more on that in a second, but let's go to Paul from Truckee on more on lobbying and union dues. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well, Sam, and you. Fine, thank you. What are your thoughts about the the union, the ruling with the Supreme Court with regards to public unions? Well, I believe that the uh, ruling by the Supreme Court is uh, 
detrimental to the average worker in the United States. Why is that? Because because uh, the only way that I'm aware of that unions get their funding to be in existence is through their memberships. But should the members it, be forced to pay? That, that's what well, the, the court ruled from a constitutional standpoint. The state cannot force workers to pay into a public union. That the workers have a constitutional right to make that decision for themselves. And if, in fact, uh, they want to spend their money on something else, uh, they might wind up having less money in their pocket to buy things in the future because right. they don't support the union right. that is fighting but isn't that for them? But isn't that their choice? Big business. Isn't that their choice? I mean, as an individual, you and I can invest in a particular stock. It may go up. It may go down. We take that risk. And can't indiv- why don't individuals have that same right with their union? Well, let's take uh, big business for example. No, but um, no, 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 no. Not big business. Why can't the individual have that right? I mean, I. I don't understand. I don't understand where you're going with this because the individual should have the right to invest their money as they see fit, and that was what the the United States Supreme Court majority ruled. And if they don't believe that the unions are giving them a good collective bargaining agreement, then they can take their money elsewhere, or they can go ahead and bargain on their own. When I buy a box of cereal, and the profits from that box of cereal go to a a major company. They choose to spend their money with their lobbyists. That's their as decision. They see, as they see fit that's without, right. and, without and, the person who supplied the money being able to say that they can, they should be spending the money the way that the person who bought the right. product. Paul, you decided to buy that box of cereal. Yes or no? You bought it. Then the, the corporation that made that cereal can decide how to use the profits they made from your sale in the way that they see fit. And what the court is saying is that these individuals have also that same right to invest their money as they see fit. It's just a simple constitutional issue. I understand that, but okay. but it's a very subtle way of of funding lobbyists as opposed to membership dues, which are clearly uh, upfront with regard to how much they pay in union dues. No, they're not. And no, they're not. No, no, no. That's not true. The unions have historically given gobs of money to Democrats. And if you're a Republican who is a state worker, you are handing money over to your opponent. And that, 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 that's, there's just no question about it, that Democrats have by far benefited from this requirement that people pay into unions more than any other party. Well, well as I said earlier in our conversation, um, the, uh, the money that, that is... Uh, provided uh, through uh, membership dues is uh, spent for I, I don't know where workers. you're going. Paul, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Workers. We're, we're going to have to move on, Paul. Thanks very much. Call from Truckee. I'm not sure what, what point he was making there, but the point of the matter is, is that unions have typically, in this town, given a lot more money, not just this town, in this country, but in the, in the city of Sacramento. Democrats have, by a long margin, benefited from union contributions over Republicans. Uh, Steve from Orangevale is calling in right now. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts? Hey, Sam. Uh, yeah, I totally agree, um, not with the prior caller, but with you. Um, I was a member of SEIU Local 1000, and it was terrible. SEIU 1000 
is full of uh, actual communists and Democrats, and SEIU does nothing but um, capitalize on political power for Democrats, and so they do very little for state workers. Steve, when you when you were a member of SEIU, were you as opinionated as you are now and as vocal as you are now? Um, not no, not necessarily. Because I, when you're I, when I you're in the to... when you're in the middle of that, it's hard to speak out. Yeah, it really is because you know. I mean, I'm very political, and I knew that I knew what the lay of the land was with SEIU. And um, you know, I had issues with managers who uh, I foul of, and the union SEIU Local 1000 did nothing for me. Mm-hmm. And so, so and I'm so not you're a fan of. But you're you're yeah, n- you're not a member of SEIU any longer. No, correct. And but you, I was I was mandated to by virtue of being uh, working for the state. Right, and you, so you were required to pay that fair share fee, which if yep. you were an average employee, it, co- it probably cost you a thousand dollars a year. Uh, something like that, probably. Yeah. Okay. So you and, and you, I knew. Yeah, go I ahead. knew that that money was going straight to the Democratic Party. Well, you know, they say it's not. They say it's going for collective bargaining purposes. But yeah. I mean, you know, look. Then they say, "Well, we audit ourselves." Oh, okay. <laughs> do That's we, like the FBI audited yeah, itself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Rod Rosenstein, Rod Rosenstein isn't hiding documents. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right, Steve. But, um, yeah, they're just—it's a terrible organization, and this is a complete, complete win for state workers who who don't want to contribute to this organization okay steve thanks a lot appreciate the call let's get uh, one more in here quickly before we go to the break roberta from garden valley calls us hi roberta how are you hi sam yes when i heard the decision i cheered yeah because are you are you are you a a state union or a government union worker i was i'm retired now yeah and so they they forced you to pay in every paycheck yes and my husband had severe health issues, and I was supporting him. Yeah. And and they the union didn't do squat. And you, me. but you didn't have the opportunity to withhold those payments because you were required by law that you had to give the money to the union. Yes, I was forced. There was there was nothing I could do. Did you ever? And, did you, Roberta? Did you ever try to object? to that yeah the the union would call me and then i says um take a hike buddy <laughs> you know take a hike buddy <laughs> well you yeah, you, yeah well I, I mean i get that but the, the but the but the but the broader point is this is that you had no choice you still had to pay into the unions in some way shape or form even if it was just fair share yes it was i don't think it was fair but yeah I was forced, and I had no voice in it whatsoever. Okay. Roberta, thank you very much. Appreciate the phone call supporting the U.S. Supreme Court decision. Uh, Time now is 6.15. We've got to do a little bit of business on the other side of the break. If you did not hear this past week, Trey Gowdy grilling the head of the FBI and the DOJ, it is well worth listening to. This was quite a show on Capitol Hill. 916-921-1530-1800-834-1530. Sam Shane here. The show is Weekend Live. We're back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. Mm. On News Radio, KFBK. Saturday evening, and it's hot in Northern California. Probably another hot one tomorrow. There's a heat wave all across this country. Uh, fire burning right now in Yolo County, uncontrolled, about 1,000 acres. There are some evacuations. It's near Cache Creek, just to get you caught up in case you see that plume of smoke. 
to the west of Sacramento. Manager of a popular restaurant in Vancouver, Canada, fired. Told a customer to remove the Make America Great Again cap that he was wearing and refused to serve him. Darren Hodge, a former manager of Tea House in Stanley Park, said that he stood by his decision to ask the man to take the cap off, saying that the hat represented, and this is a direct quote, racism, bigotry, Islamophobia, misogyny, white supremacy, and homophobia. That's a mouthful. One cap representing all that. Company called Hodge a good person with a big heart and had a right to his personal beliefs, but he was terminated for violating the company's philosophy of tolerance. Now, you'll recall, not too long ago, about little more than a week ago, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders and her family booted from the Red Hand in Lexington, Virginia. The owner of the establishment told her to leave because she worked for President Trump. There's more on that. We might get to it before 7. I don't know because we're so jam-packed and we've got phone calls pouring in on all the stuff we've already stacked up. But maybe we'll get to that before we break here at 7 o'clock tonight. It is a 622. The phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. I'm Sam Shane. Let's get to Henry in Grass Valley. Hi, Henry. How are you tonight? Good, good. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that uh, on the union dues thing. That yeah. Gotten rid of that. Right. What do you think? I actually, so I work for a union, um, and I have worked both in California and Nevada. And, and are, work in, are you a public sector employee? No, I'm not. Okay, so you're in a private sector. Now that's a that's different. That's a different situation. You understand that? Yes, a hundred percent. So. My basis behind it is that working in California where it's actually mandated that we paid our union dues mm-hmm. and then going to Nevada where it's a right to work state, when I transferred to Nevada, I continue paying my union dues because they actually have kind of helped out with quite a few things. But you had but look, my point is, Henry, you had the, the choice. It was your choice to make, right? Not in California. No, no. but in Nevada you you said you chose to keep contributing to the union because you felt like it did a good thing for you. Yes, yeah, and that is 100% correct, and I don't know about other unions, state unions and stuff of that sort. Right. I do know as a younger person, um, without unions, it does seem that there has been a a kind of they're trying to get rid of some of the higher pay wages that are there. Hey, Henry, I'm not nobody's suggesting that unions haven't done a good thing for the average worker in America and collective bargaining hasn't helped to raise all ships in a sea. There's no question about that. The point here is and what the the, the majority of the United States Supreme Court says is states cannot force individual workers who are in state jobs to join a union, that, that that's a constitutional violation of their rights, that they have a yeah. right to figure that out for themselves. So that, that that's different than suggesting that unions don't do good. And, and, I, and I do understand that, and I fully do understand that. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, and I understand the argument to making sure that, uh, you know, people have the right to decide on where they're spending their money. Right. Um, being in California and being told that I have to pay my union dues. Right. Um, at first, that was a little dis- disheartening. I don't blame um, you. I, I worked one time for a, a, a broadcast outfit that, that had a union, and I was required to pay it, and I resented it. As yeah. a person, I look, I negotiated my own deal with that station. I'm happy to negotiate what I work for. That That's yeah. my decision. And and, and I, I object to, to somebody saying to me, uh, you have to give us your money. So one other thing that I'd like to state there, though, is these unions are also required to uh, 
to basically represent anybody, whether they're a union paying dues member or right. whether they aren't. Correct? Right. That and you know what? I could see that changing now with the result of this ruling. You bet. Yeah, because I mean, if you're if you're not paying your union dues, right. why should no. I be forced to represent? You? Henry, you're right on the mark here. This is changing the entire landscape of unions, their influence, how much money they make, who they represent. I, I totally agree. This was a landmark decision in so many ways. Thanks a lot for the call, Henry from uh, Grass Valley, calling in. And on the other side of all of this, from you know what we heard from, as, as I mentioned earlier, Mayor Daryl Steinberg in Sacramento is uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Again, we need to get to this final soundbite because he is the Fox News senior judicial analyst, and he talks about the ruling. He says this ruling, in his estimation, is, quote, absolutely devastating for the unions and for Democrats who get an enormous amount of campaign money from the unions. And the unions know this. The word is catastrophic. The only reason, the principal reason, I should say, the public sector labor unions have survived to 2018, they're 100 years old, is because states have forced employees to join them. Without the compulsion of law forcing members to join unions, the unions will be required to offer benefits so that people will voluntarily join. I don't know that they have the financial wherewithal to do this. That's the key there, the financial wherewithal to do this. This is going to come down, as everything does in power and politics, to money. The influence of unions in Sacramento and for the state of California has been gutted in one ruling this past week by the United States Supreme Court. And the ramifications, as I stated earlier, cannot be overstated. And it almost kind of went under the radar, relatively speaking, in terms of news coverage. Yeah, it got some play. We heard a little bit about it, once again shoved aside by the immigration debate, what's going on at the border with the separation of kids, so on, seems to dominate. Let's get to uh, Tom in Fair Oaks. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hey, uh, I am a teacher. Yes, sir. And uh, I'm a and I'm a member of the teachers' union. Right. And uh, when this now, well, now that they have this thing where you don't have to pay dues, right. uh, I wouldn't do that for a couple of reasons. One is I'm a conservative teacher, which in the very very liberal world of teaching, uh, both people in administration and teachers, right. uh, I get in a lot of trouble, and I am really glad to have a union attorney to back me up. Or I wouldn't have a job at this point. Right, but don't you agree, Tom, with the with the Supreme Court? Because now you can make that choice on your own, and, and you will yeah, get that the support. Only, the only thing about it is, I started teaching when I was, you know, I started teaching 25 years ago, and I was much younger. And actually, for the first five years I was a teacher, I did not join the union. And then a union rep came to me, and he says, okay, he says, just in case you get in trouble. And at that point, I actually had just gotten in trouble for something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was letting me know that they weren't there for me because I wasn't a union member. Uh, they don't cover, they don't, they don't stand up for you unless you're, you know, their, their attorneys don't help you or anything else. Right. And he said, if you were a union member, if you were a dues, you're already paying dues. Right. If you just put your name on the line. So, you attorney, so you still, but Tom, you still had to pay that fair share fee, and what you did at that point in time, it sounds like you kind of upped the ante a little bit. You paid a little bit more. No, I, I paid the same. I have paid the same. I've never had the opportunity to pay less just okay. because I was not a member of the uh, of the union. Right. Okay. Well, listen, I 
Look, I, I can see where you're coming from, but don't you agree that when the U.S. Supreme Court, the, 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 the justification for this is, from a constitutional standpoint, public employees should have the, the ability to make that decision on their own, right? They shouldn't have to be told what to do. I, I think that that's true. Okay. I, I do agree with that. Tom, thanks a lot for the call. We do appreciate it. Tom calling in from Fair Oaks, a teacher who supports this decision by the United States Supreme Court. Uh, on the other side of the break, uh, we have to get to what was uh, an enormously tense hearing on Capitol Hill. Very fiery on the other side, we will hear more from Trey Gowdy and others. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Is the FBI hiding stuff from the United States people? We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. 6.34 is the time. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live here on KFBK. Thanks for joining us here. Uh, the phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Feel free to give us a call and join in on the discussion here at uh, KFBK. By the way, if you're uh, not listening on the radio and you want to hear more of this show or previous weekend live shows, you can go to kfbk.com and you click on the podcast tab and uh, you can hear this show in its entirety and some of the previous shows that we have aired here on the weekend. We're here every Saturday night, as I said, from 5 o'clock until 7 p.m., and we thank you for joining us. The Sacramento mayor wants to build large homeless shelters, and he has been working on this for months and months, and he is running into what many saw as an obvious obstacle, not in my backyard. Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg scouring the city of Sacramento for plots of land where three 200-bed homeless structures in large tent-like structures could open up. However, there are a number of city council members who are already saying they will oppose those shelters on city-owned parcels that are in their district. That's no surprise at all. Roughly 60 parcels around Sacramento are owned by the city or the housing authority. But of those, there are just a handful, a handful which meet basic criteria for hosting the new tent shelters. Ah, the struggle with homelessness. It does not seem to end. If you didn't see this, what took place on Capitol Hill this past week was truly remarkable. In the wake of the IG report, which indicated the top five investigators from both the DOJ and the FBI who were looking into the Clinton Hillary Clinton email scandal and into allegations of the Trump administration's association with Russia. By the way, the Russia investigation is going on for two years. Yeah, nothing. Zip. So the head of the FBI and the head of the DOJ were in front of Congress in the wake of this IG report, which condemned these top investigators as being anti-Donald Trump and pro-Hillary Clinton. These are the guys who led the investigation. The top investigators of the United States federal government from the FBI and the DOJ had clear bias. A fundamental constitutional problem, to say the least. So this was a very tense hearing. We're going to start with Jim Jordan. He's a representative, a Republican from Ohio. And first of all, he's grilling here Rod Rosenstein. He's the head of the FBI. Now, the FBI has not turned over documents on these investigations. These were requested 
by members of Congress dating back to July of last year. Okay? We're, we're coming up on a year, and the documents haven't been turned over. And Jordan asked Rosenstein why the FBI is hiding documents from Congress. Congressman, I'm not keeping any information from Congress that it's appropriate. In a few minutes, Mr. Rosenstein, I think the House of Representatives is going to say something different. I don't agree with you, Congressman. I don't believe that's what they're going to say. And if they do, they'll but be I mistaken. I disagree, but I think, I think in a few minutes, the House of Representatives is going to go on record saying you haven't complied with requests from a separate and equal branch of government, that you haven't complied with subpoenas, and you got seven days to get your act together. I think that's what's going to happen in a few And that's just not, that's not Jim Jordan. I think that's the house, I think that's a majority of the House of Representatives in just a few minutes I think that's going to happen. And I want to know why you won't give us what we've asked for. Sir, I certainly hope that the, your colleagues are not under that impression. Uh, that is not accurate, sir. And you It can, is accurate. We have caught you hiding Mr. Chairman, can we allow Mr. the witness to answer? It is accurate. We've caught you hiding. Of course it's accurate. Rod Rosenstein, the whole country sees this. It's been going on for a year. They asked for documents in July of last year and still don't have them, and the ones that they get are redacted and blacked out. Now give me a break. The President of the United States has called the whole thing a witch hunt, repeatedly. And the documents you turn over to Congress, they have nothing in them. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Didn't end there. Before Jordan got his turn, Representative Trey Gowdy lit in to both of these gentlemen who were there the leaders of the DOJ and the FBI, and specifically he went after Rosenstein. And he asked him more about the guy who's clearly the anti-Trump agent. This is a guy named Peter Strzok. And he was caught, and it was revealed in the IG investigation that he had tweets and communications that showed he had clear bias against Donald Trump and did everything within his power to prevent Donald Trump from becoming President of the United States. And this is the guy who was leading the investigation into the affairs of Donald Trump. Here's Trey Gowdy. He was talking about impeachment within three days of special counsel Mueller being appointed. Three days. That's even quicker than MSNBC and the Democrats were talking about impeaching. Within three days, the lead FBI agent is talking about impeaching the president. No fairness whatsoever. None. Gowdy is infuriated. And he has every right to be. He has said in the past that we could be on the verge of a constitutional crisis in this country. Is he right? 916-921-1530-1800-834-1530. Gowdy then blasted Democrats who have been calling for the impeachment of Trump. And we've heard it from members of Capitol Hill. I think there are some 60 or so, I can't recall the exact number, who've called for the impeachment of Donald Trump. There have been no criminal allegations. None. There have no, been no serious allegations of wrongdoing on a criminal level by the President of the United States. Yet we have 60 lawmakers in, in Washington who have already called for his impeachment. There's a state senator in California, Kevin DeLeon, He's calling for the impeachment of President Trump. And DeLeon even admits on tape he doesn't have any empirical evidence. Here's Gowdy talking about Democrats calling for impeachment even though there are no findings of wrongdoing and zero criminal allegations. Not a thing. 
More than 60 Democrats have already voted to proceed with impeachment before Bob Mueller has found a single solitary damn thing. More than 60 have voted to move forward with impeachment, and he hasn't presented his first finding. Is Gaudi onto something here? And should we be concerned by this? And if you're not concerned, I want to know why. How can you not be concerned when you have the leaders of this country, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, who are calling for the impeachment of a president based on no criminal allegations and findings that have not been found. Mueller's investigation is still going on. Gowdy says, we are now two years into this investigation, and he told the leaders of the FBI and the DOJ in no uncertain terms, wait till you hear this clip, that it is time to wrap it up. So I'm going to say this to you, Mr. Ray, Mr. Rosenstein. I realize that neither one of you were there when this happened, but you're both there now. Uh, Russia attacked this country. They should be the target, but Russia isn't being hurt by this investigation right now. We are. This country is being hurt by it. We are being divided. We've seen the bias. We've seen the bias. We need to see the evidence. If you have evidence of wrongdoing by any member of the Trump campaign, present it to the damn grand jury. If you have evidence that this president acted inappropriately, present it to the American people. Uh, there's an old saying that justice delayed is justice denied. I think right now all of us are being denied. Whatever you got, finish it the hell up. Because this country is being torn apart. Have you heard words that are more true in the last week than that? This country is being torn apart. It is irresponsible for anyone of our leaders on either side of the aisle to continue with baseless allegations and dividing this country. If you've got a case, make it. If you don't, let's move on. I've never seen this country so torn apart in my life. And it goes to leadership because it's the trickle-down theory, unfortunately. Uh, speaking of that, Maxine Waters, she picked up a megaphone over the week. And what she had to say about harassing Trump officials in restaurants and movies may open up your ears a little bit when you hear that. And then how Chuck Schumer, the senator and one of the leaders of the Democrat Party, had to run to the floor of the Senate and condemn it because the Democrats are now divided. They don't know how to go forward. Do they criticize Trump? Do they back away? Willie Brown used to be the Speaker of the Assembly in Sacramento of the state of California and then the mayor at one point in time in San Francisco says, um, let's stop with this Trump bashing. This is not doing us any good as a party and we're not going to win if we keep doing it. But guess what? There are some leaders who didn't get that message. So we're going to talk more about that. A divided Democrat party heading into the election. 645 is the time. My name is Sam Shane. The phone number 916-921-1531-800-834-1530. This is Weekend Live. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio KFBK. Okay, thanks for joining us. Sam Shannon, Weekend Live. Uh, 648 is the time. We've got about uh, 10 more minutes. Got a lot to cram in here. I uh, want to get to a call in just a second. So let's do this. Let's start off this segment, first of all, 
uh, with a soundbite. This is Maxine Waters. Don't know if you saw this over the week, but this sent the the entire uh, structure of the Democratic Party at the top levels into a tailspin, what she did. Democratic Congresswoman from Southern California, Maxine Waters, called on supporters earlier this week to continue to harass Trump officials in public. Here's a clip. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. Oh, just imagine what that did. Chuck Schumer heard that and he probably hit the pounded his fist on the desk. Now I got to go fix that. So before we get to Chuck Schumer, here's how the White House, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, responded to it. Healthy debate on ideas and political philosophy is important. But the calls for harassment and push for any Trump supporter to avoid the public is unacceptable. America is a great country, and our ability to find solutions despite those disagreements is what makes us unique. So much for taking the high road. Michelle Obama once said that they take the low road, we take the high road. Well, Maxine's back down on that low road now, and they don't know. Now they got to get back on the high road. So Chuck Schumer heads down to the floor of the Senate. He's got to fix the Maxine Waters problem. Takes a rather unusual step, okay, very unusual step, of publicly condemning Waters and her speech. I strongly disagree with those who advocate harassing folks if they don't agree with you. If you disagree with someone or something, stand up, make your voice heard, explain why you think they're wrong and why you're right, make the argument, protest peacefully. If you disagree with a politician, organize your fellow citizens to action and vote them out of office. Well, that's the way it should be done, and that's what the Democrats are saying publicly. That's the strategy heading forward might not actually work because the message that's being sent out is a little bit different. We're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do that, there's Clint on the phone from Sacramento. Hey, Clint, how are you tonight? Uh, good, Sam. Thank you. I was listening to what you had to say. I'm a little surprised. A couple of things. One, if, if uh, the president keeps talking about how innocent he is, uh-huh. well, then let the investigation finish and then he'll be proven. Yeah, he has. He has. Fine. He has, Clint. Where are but, the charges? Well, but the point is, the investigation is still going on. You right. know, my father was in counterintelligence in the military, and when you're doing counterintelligence work, it's a very difficult and very uh, tangled kind of uh, investigation. Right. Nobody's it's suggesting already... nobody's suggesting we don't investigate allegations, but it's isn't it irresponsible for our political leaders to call for impeachment when there are no charges have been filed? There's no evidence. Well, yeah, no, I, I don't agree with that. That's, but the point is, you can have people saying a lot of silly things, but that doesn't uh, dissuade the fact of the matter is this investigation needs to finish. Right. And when the, all the facts are laid out, then we'll know what the situation is. Right. And the then, and finish. then, and then, Clint, then all of those lawmakers, those 60 lawmakers who have already called for impeachment, if there is indeed any evidence which indicates that there was criminal wrongdoing, maybe then they can start spouting off about impeachment. Maybe that's the time. It's irresponsible for them to do that now when there's nothing on the table. Well, I understand that. Anybody who's reasonable can uh, uh, come to that conclusion. But the fact of the matter is, you know, kind of like, excuse this oblique turn here, but look at what just happened recently with the uh, Gazette and, and back east. Well, no, that, yeah, uh, yeah, but wait a second here. That, we're not tying yeah. the, these two things together. Absolutely well, not. I think, there, there was a reporter. There was a reporter the who tried to. About the divis- 
No, Clint, that is not. No, 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 no. What Mr. Trump says about the media had absolutely nothing to do with that guy going into that newspaper. I didn't say I didn't say. say Well, then what's the relationship between that shooting and what you're talking about? But there's a there's a tone that is being set by the president. No, 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 no. That's enough. That's enough. No, you're done. You're done. We're not having any of that. That discussion will not be had on my show. Absolutely not. The president of the United States had nothing to do and his tone had nothing to do with that man walking into that newspaper and shooting it up. I will not have that. It's offensive to say, to even suggest that. By the way, there was a reporter who tweeted that out and later retracted it, and I believe lost his job as a, as, as a result of that. All right, let's pick up where we left off. I want to finish up this uh, final soundbite. This is from Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, who are trying to get the Democrats to take the high road, or at least that's what they're saying publicly now. But no one should call for the harassment of political opponents. That's not right. That's not American. So that's what they say. They want to take the high road. That's where they want to go, and that's what he tried to do and introduced on the Senate floor as a part of the public debate. But here's the problem that they're having. It's not just some of their political leaders who are straying. They have supporters like Robert De Niro, who goes on national television during an award show a couple of weeks ago, and he drops the F-bomb when he relates to the Trump administration and President Trump. I mentioned this earlier. California State Senator Kevin DeLeon calls for the impeachment of Trump, but admits he has no evidence of wrongdoing. When they go here and they do these things and they make arguments like we just heard from Clint that are way off the rails, they are doing more to effectively alienating that voter in the middle, which they could capture, than they are to capturing that voter. They're turning people away. They're playing to a radical base that they already have. That base that believes in these crazy crackpot notions that for some reason what the President of the United States says or tweets has something to do with some crazy guy shooting up a newsroom with no basis, none. There's no evidence to indicate that that was the case at all. In fact, it turns out that this guy had filed a number of complaints against this newspaper about coverage that he received from the newspaper. It wasn't even political in nature. And then when it's this narrative where you falsely draw some connection to the president, rational people sit back and say, you know what? That doesn't make sense. I can't support people who spew this kind of nonsense. That's not logical. Okay, we got to go to Sue very quickly from Sacramento. Hi, Sue. How are you? We got about a minute. How are you? Oh, hi there. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Go ahead. Well, I was just calling about the incredible ruling, the fair share. Yeah. Did you? What do you think of it? Do you support it? I've been working for the state for many, many years, around thirty-five years, mm-hmm. and I've been forced to pay union dues. Only in the last couple of years, I realized there was fair share available, and so I went fair share but I thought it was not 
unfair to have to even pay that. So are you? You're, so it sounds like to me you're happy with this Supreme Court ruling. I'm. I'm ecstatic. Ecstatic. And the money. That, and, and the money happened. And the money that you gave to the union. Do you think that it was ever used effectively in the way that you wanted it to be used? No, there was some misappropriation of funds mm-hmm. um, when the union was audited back. I'm not sure when that was. Around ten or twelve years ago. Right. And how about the, to the political candidates that they give money to? Do you support that, or are you in favor of how they use your money that way? Not necessarily. No. Right. No. Right. No. Well, you're going to so Sue, you're going to be making about an extra thousand dollars a year now. Well, well, actually, I have my fair share dues are right around sixty dollars a month, so it's going to be a little bit less than a thousand well, a year. But, but it's nice. <laughs> right. But otherwise, if I had union dues to pay, that would run me about, you're right, about $82 or so um, a month, which okay. is almost 1000 Yeah. Well, Sue, congratulations on the newfound income, and thanks very much for the phone call. I really appreciate it. Sue calling in. Time now is coming up on 658. We're all done. This is Weekend Live. Hey, we want to thank you for joining us here. We're here every Saturday night from 5 to 7 on Weekend Live. My name is Sam Shane, and uh, try to stay cool. We'll talk with you later.